Welcome to Fails and Fixins. This is your podcast where we take a look at failed marketing, public relations, personal campaigns, and find a way to flip them around, to fix them, and to make them work. And today we're going to talk about a company who ran a campaign so disastrous that it cost them or reported 40% of their profits, or at least they blamed it for 40% decline in profits. Before we do that, I just want you all to know that you can visit Fails and Fixins the way you're visiting it right now as a podcast through all your major podcast providers, or you can go and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fails and fixins. That's F-I-X-I-N-S to watch a live broadcast of this every Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. or to go through our video archives. Let me set the stage for you. The year is 1985. McDonald's owns the majority of the burger joint, fast food, whatever you want to call it market. They own 37% of that market. And the year prior in 1984, Wendy's had a campaign that was such a cultural phenomenon. You probably still know the catchphrase, where's the beef? That came from a Wendy's commercial and a little old lady. So with McDonald's owning a giant portion of the fast food takeout burger joint market, Wendy's having their biggest campaign ever. What's the guy in between those two? The number two guy, what's he supposed to do? Well, Burger King said, we need to raise awareness and we need to get people into our stores. So they tried to come up with a way to do both of those things. And they decided a campaign's the way to do it. Of course it is, right? You always go to an ad campaign. So the year's November 1985. They started a campaign with these cryptic messages showing up in the various print media, the magazines and everything. And they said things like, it's not too late, Herb. And there's no other info there. It just says, it's not too late, Herb. And then there's another one that says, what are you waiting for, Herb? And these things are popping up in magazines. They're popping up in newspapers. It's all over the place. To the point where it's reported, now I'm not convinced this is an urban legend, but it's been reported that a guy named Herb who owed a bookie money got worried because these things were so cryptic. He thought it was the bookie letting him know that the bookie knew how to find him. So once again, I think that's urban legend, but that was making the rounds at the time. And that was, you know, people were talking about that. That was one of the stories. Eventually, these vague... This vague campaign moved into TV spots. And now this guy, Herb, he was never seen. But what they did was they interviewed his parents. They interviewed his teachers. They interviewed his friends. And these people were all ashamed of this guy named Herb. They said things like, you know, you could try harder, Herb. What's going on, Herb? What are you waiting for, Herb? And these ads ran for about two months, and they cost about $40 million. Actually, $40 million is the total campaign cost but you get the idea. So it came out in these ads that Herb was a guy who had never tried a Burger King burger. So he's just a dude that everyone's upset with for never having tried a Burger King burger. And they say other things about him, how he was always like a mediocre student. Like they position Herb as a very middle of the road, if not the ultimate middle of the road to the, maybe the lower end of the social spectrum type road individual in fact anyone who went into a burger king and said i am not herb received a 99 cent whopper as long as they bought fries and a pepsi back in these days in the mid 80s there weren't you didn't drive up to a drive up and say i want meal number six you said i want fries a drink and a whopper 
So this was a way for you to save a little bit of money. You say, I'm not Herb. Now, supposedly this was pretty, pretty successful, according to Burger King. You can't find any numbers to back it up. But at the time, Burger King said things were going well. Finally, in Super Bowl 20 in January of 86, keep in mind, print ads started in November. So they went November, December, January before Herb shows up. So Super Bowl 20, January 1986. Burger King debuts Herb, and it starts out, this guy, and he's walking, starts at his feet, pans up, all of a sudden you see his face, and that's Herb. He's got these wireframe glasses. Herb shows up, he's got those wireframe glasses, and he's just a nerd. He's not a good-looking guy. He's not even an okay-looking guy. He's just, he's deliberately kind of a caricature of a person. And he does the spot where the photo there was from a press conference that Herb did where he sat down and the reporters are like, Hey Herb, is it true? You finally had a Whopper. And Herb's like, yes, I did. It was delicious. In fact, I enjoyed it so much. I'm going to travel the entire U S all 50 States. And I'm going to visit and have a Whopper in each state. What Burger King did with that was they tagged the commercial and they started their second part of this campaign which was Herb would visit one Burger King in each state, just one Burger King per state. Whoever spotted him and recognized him went up and said, you're Herb. Well, that person won $5,000 just for being in Burger King. Everyone else in the store got entered into a $1 million drawing. Franchised Burger Kings, so a Burger King that's not owned by corporate but owned by a local individual, they were a lot, heck, they were encouraged to throw extra money into the pot. So some Burger Kings were giving $10,000 to the person who found Herb. This becomes important in a few minutes. Why did they do this? Why, what were they looking to have happen? Well, Burger King was successful at first, according to them. Sales stayed flat. The numbers say sales stayed flat. But Burger King claimed a 90% positive review of the campaign. So they're saying the people were coming in saying, I'm not Herb. And then after Herb happened, the people were like, hey, Herb, rah, yes, we like Herb. And the idea behind this was to compete with McDonald's, who at the time was dropping $100 million into a campaign for their new burger called the McDLT. The McDLT could be a whole nother episode of Fails and Fixins. But to give you an idea, one, I'm sure none of you have ever had it. Two, Back in 1980s, McDonald's food all came in these foam containers. The McDLT was no different. It came in a foam container, but it was a special foam container that had two compartments. So on one side, you had uh, half the bun in your burger patty. And on the other side, you had the other half of your patty with lettuce and tomato. And McDonald's whole thing was, hey, look, this side's cold. Hey, look, this side's hot. You want to eat this. And that was McDonald's idea. So that was the McDLT. Once again, whole nother episode of this show. But they dropped $100 million into this campaign. Burger King's just trying to stay afloat as the number two guy. They don't have near the market share, and they're just trying to raise awareness. And that's their plan. And according to them, fairly successful in doing it. But what happened? Why don't you know Herb? Why did Herb disappear the way he did? Well, the campaign only lasted about three months. Uh, it was actually a little bit closer to four months, but still, it was like in that three, four month range. 
Burger King pulled the plug on the thing. It did. It basically bombed after the Super Bowl. Everything went downhill. They thing is, Herb had to continue making appearances after Burger King announced that they had fired their ad agency, moved on to a different campaign. Why? Because he had to make these in-store appearances where people would win these $5,000 and then get entered for a $1 million drawing. The campaign ended somewhere in March, and the drawing wasn't until April. So Herb had to keep showing up. Not only that, but he had big-time appearances set. So... Uh, he was scheduled to be a live VJ on MTV. I haven't been able to find confirmation of whether that happened or not, but MTV was in agreement with Burger King to have Herb come VJ for a while. The thing that I know for a fact happened and that you can look up is that Herb was the WrestleMania two timekeeper for battle Royal. So he came out to WrestleMania two, which was a huge event at the time. It still is a huge event. And he was introduced as Herb, the burger nerd from Burger King and he was timekeeper for this event after this campaign's ended. The other person, the other famous timekeeper on there, the person that was a timekeeper for the Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Mr. T boxing match, big deal thanks to Rocky. Um, that person was the where's the beef lady, if you'll remember the top of the podcast from Wendy's. So Herb had to do that. He had to keep making these in-store appearances. Now, these in-store appearances are important because it further diminished Burger King's reputation. Why? Why, how could this further diminish Burger King's already hurt reputation? Well, they had a deal in their contract that said no one under 16 could win. So nobody under 16 could go up and say, hey, it's you, Herb, and then win. So not a 15-year-old, not an 11-year-old. But guess what happened? 15 and 11-year-olds spotted Herb. In fact, one 15-year-old in Alabama spotted Herb, and Burger King denied him the money, denied him the winnings. Not only that, but they gave the winnings to a 16-year-old buddy he was there with. Now, the Bama State Senate, the Alabama State Senate, did not like this. In fact, they were quoted as saying this bordered on consumer fraud. Their state senator, once again, state senate, not the full senate. Their state senator, Mac Parsons, said, and I quote, I feel what Burger King did was as bad as what the Grinch did when he stole Christmas. Ouch, that's such a good quote. I had to use it. And there was another one, another 15-year-old in Reno who was denied by corporate, but the local store, the franchise owner, who was allowed to kick in a little extra money, well, he made right by the guy and his family, and he awarded him $5,000, avoided something like what happened in Alabama. There are also rumors, and I'm going to call them rumors because I didn't pay for the article that Time wanted me to pay for. Apparently, an 11-year-old spotted him in Newark and... That also ended up in the state Senate floor. Supposedly, I couldn't find any background. Once again, could be an urban legend, but it was an urban legend that was around at that time, which continued to tarnish this campaign in Burger King. Burger King president at the time, Jay Darling, was asked about the campaign uh, sometime after it ended. And his quote was, Herb filled a gap in December and January when we really needed to put something on there. It did not work nearly as well as I'd hoped. That's a quote he gave the Chicago Tribune after they uh, kicked their ad agency to the curb. Uh, their next few campaigns, they did two or three campaigns over the next year. And to be honest, Burger King's profits fell 40% after this campaign ran. But the entire 
fast food industries, profits fell. They didn't fall as dramatically, but we did go through a downturn at that time. Burger King contributed this directly to Herb. I contributed to Herb and to the McDLT because nobody wanted that. So the Herb campaign was so disastrous that in 2007, NBC News rated the Herb Super Bowl ad as the second worst Super Bowl ad of all time. That was the second worst. What was the worst? You might be asking me that. You might not care. I am a nerd for these types of things. The worst was a 1985 Apple commercial. Now, not the 1985 Apple commercial. You're thinking of the one where they had an Orwellian settings. Girl comes up with a sledgehammer, spins around, throws it through a screen, right? No, that ad aired in 1984. The 1985 one was a bunch of people as lemmings in an office setting with their PCs. So that was rated the worst of all time. Anyway, Burger King, second worst. So what do you do to improve this campaign? Start off promising, according to Burger King, when people were coming in and saying, hey, we're not a herb. Give us our 99-cent Whoppers. I think it's pretty easy to fix. One, you do it 20 years later. You do this campaign in 2005 when print is still relatively relevant and the internet is crazy for this sort of viral marketing before viral marketing happens 2005 this campaign takes off and maybe you never even debut herb you just keep people guessing and then after a year or two of running a successful guessing campaign then you debut somebody as herb and by then you probably have a better feel for how to debut herb and what herb should be like however it's not possible to get in a delorean go back to 1985 and say hey Hold off 20 years, then run this campaign. It's going to be a success. So what you do at that time in 1985, I think it's very easy. I think a lot of these are simple answers. And the answer is you don't make Herb such an unlikable person. The Herb that they debuted, the one that I can't pull the picture up of right now, the Herb that they debuted was incredibly unlikable. Uh, not only did they give him like stereotypical 80s nerd type thing, but they made him lazy. They made him kind of a slacker. He had a voice that wasn't commanding. He had a presence that you didn't want to be a part of. So what you do, maybe you don't make him like a supermodel, but you make him a guy or a girl and you just make him okay. You don't make him so deliberately unlikable. You need to have something that you like about this guy if you're going to use him as a spokesperson. I think that fixes most of the campaign that way when you debut him at the super bowl he's not so elfish you don't fall so flat after you've built up this anticipation that's pretty much all you have to do now if you don't want to go that route maybe you could always go a uh, princess and the frog type route where herb shows up maybe he starts as this nerd guy but then he takes the buy of a whopper and he lets his hair down or something changes, and then he turns into a likable person. You're like, hey, he tried the Whopper. Herb ain't so bad after all. Cool, Herb. And then everything's okay then. You know, at that point, maybe things get better. So I think either one of those ways, you keep the campaign. You can even keep it in its time frame. You don't move it forward 20 years, which, let's face it, somebody does that now, it's probably too late in the internet age. Everyone just sees right through it and doesn't care. But if you do it in 2005-ish, kind of at the beginning of the internet, you can probably really do something with that. Uh, or if you go back in the past and you just change the way Herb looks, you probably fix things. So 
that is all I've got for you this week. Uh, if you guys want, you are more than welcome to leave your comments. In fact, I encourage you leave comments, go to wherever you get your podcasts, leave some comments there. Leave me some reviews. Tell me what you think. You could email me Dave at fails and Let me know what you think. If you have any ideas for future campaigns for us to look at, or if you have other ideas to make this campaign or any of the other campaigns that we've looked at better, just hop on there. Let me know what you think. Give us some ideas. We'll talk about them later. And for now, that's it. And I will come to you next week again with another fail and another fail.